want to talk to you about a, the heart of God. This is not easy to preach because I do not believe I'm going to do it justice. Because when I endeavor to speak about the heart of God, I am totally inadequate. Uh, I am not able to empathize with God. You just can't do it. You can get a taste maybe of what God felt like, but you're not going to get. You're not going to get. So I'm going to do, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit this morning to somehow translate to you from the Word of God, some of his heart and the way he feels towards this world. In, in 1 John 5.19, it says, The whole world lieth in wickedness. Now you realize that was written about 60 A.D. You know, a lot of times we think the time we live in is the worst of times. I mean, we think sometimes the time we live in is, is the most wicked of times. And, and, and we have some right and to, to maybe feel that in some degree. Never has there been an internet that we know of, maybe before the flood, but never has there been an internet. Never has there been communication ability as easy as there is now. And so consequently, that multiplies evil, facilitates evil. But the truth is, men's hearts have always been dark. They've always been evil. The first century people were not better people than, than the people today. They weren't. And don't ever get the idea that somehow those people back then were better. Uh, when they were doing excavation on the city of Corinth, the people, the archaeologists doing the excavation on the, on the city, they were, they were taking some of the uh, business areas of the old city of Corinth and they were taking the rubble out and they were revealing the stores and the various things. And they were, they were so, the, the carvings in the buildings were so graphically vile that they were hanging sheets over them because they were ashamed of what they were. Now, they didn't have photography. In the first century, they didn't have photography that we know of. They, they didn't have duplication, duplication of pictures like, like, uh, like we have today. So what did they do? They carved things. They carved things. So I was, I was maybe not surprised much, a little bit, that, that, but don't be surprised. In the first century, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in 1 John 5, 19, it says the whole world lieth in wickedness. What we see going on today is more of the same that has been going on. That's why the world needs Jesus. The world needs redemption. And, and you already know that you can't redeem yourself. You can't. You say, well, I'm going to change. Give it a shot. See how it goes. I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm not saying under self-will, you can't discipline yourself some. I'm not saying you'll have some discipline. You will. But you're not going to be able to quit sinning. Quit sinning. You're going to need God to help you with sin. Because the sin is so deep in your nature, so deep in your, in your personality, so deep in your temperament, that you can't undo it. It's wound in too deep, too tight. You need God. And Jesus came 
Oh, my, my, my. You read through the Old Testament, you get the, you get almost the, the, you almost get your heart begins to almost ache as you read through uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and you go down through the minor prophets, and as you read through those prophets and as they cry out for one that was to come, you hit Isaiah 53, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, he shall grow up before us as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form, nor comeliness, so we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised of men, a man of grief and acquainted with sorrows, and we, and we hid us that were our faces from him. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We need that one. We need that one. Finally, he comes. Woo! He comes. The Holy Spirit appears to Mary. Says you're going to have a baby, but it's not going to be like, not going to be like normal baby. This baby is going to be conceived of God Himself, the Holy Spirit. And get ready, because He's going to, He's going to turn this place upside down. And that sword is going to pierce your heart, Mary, because this isn't going to be without pain. Not just pain in the childbirth, but pain in watching the whole process because he's going to come and fulfill Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected a man, a man of sorrow, acquainted with griefs. And the sorrow that she... Now, you, know, you women know this. If you have a child and you see him go through sorrow or her go through sorrow, that sorrow goes in your heart too. You don't escape that. That's what happened to Mary. People say, oh, oh, to be Mary. Oh, to be Mary. Jesus lives uh, his 30 years, gets, uh, comes down to the river, sees John the Baptist, which had been raised up before him, to make straight his way and to prepare the way for him to come. He had been old-fashioned. What was John the Baptist? He was an old-fashioned, red-faced Baptist preacher. That's what he was. John the Baptist, preaching hellfire damnation, man. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven was at hand. The Bible says that was his message. People got saved. They got, they got uh, baptized in the Jordan River, preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus shows up at the edge of the river one day, and John looks around, and he looks around for the next to be baptized. And he looks up there, and he sees the Holy Spirit within John the Baptist says, Wow! Behold! The Lamb of God, the one we looked for all these years down through the centuries from Isaiah down, actually from Genesis 3.15 down through Isaiah, down through the prophets, he's standing right there. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Remember the whole world lieth in wickedness. He takes away the sin of the world if they would believe. John baptizes him, begins Jesus' ministry. Jesus has a short ministry, about 30 to 33 years old. In that short ministry, the Holy Spirit through him and God through him, man, he healed people, he raised the dead, 
He healed the lame. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He, he, stopped, he stopped funeral processions and, and told them to get up. And they got up and restored widow's uh, 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 only child to them, the, the widow of Nain, and, and just on and on and on and just did good things. He, he did all these good things. And uh, he presented himself to the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Herodians and the scribes and, and the religious leaders of the day as, as, as the Son of God, as God manifests the flesh. And they said, that can't be your blaspheming. And they crucified Jesus because of who he said he was, folks. Not because of the good deeds he did. But before they crucified him, just before, just before, chapter 23 of Matthew, he goes and he, 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 he does a little bit of John the Baptist on him. Matthew 23, if you look at it later, Matthew 23 is the most, it's the hardest sermon recorded in the Bible. Now that's Bill Lytell's opinion. You can disagree with that if you like, but you have the right to be wrong. I believe in freedom of speech. And 23, you've never heard me get up here and say, to you, you serpents, you vipers. How do you think I'd do next week? May double the crowd. Who knows? But uh, he got up there and he laid it out. You read, woo, nobody preaches that hard. Jesus knows the very heart of man. He could, he could do it. And he preached that sermon. It was the most vilifying uh, to the point sermon you'll ever read in Matthew 23. That'll get you tweaked a little bit to go home and read it, I bet. And where our text is, and all this was introduction. When I got lead singing, brother, I'm preaching a long time. I get to lead singing, excuse me. Matthew 23, take your Bible, Matthew 23, 37, 38. It's towards the end of this chapter. It's the hardest sermon ever preached in the Bible by the very Son of God who came to redeem the whole world if they believed. And he says, oh, and man, I, can't, I cannot duplicate the pathos. There's not any way for me to duplicate the pathos. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them. And I want you to circle, if you, if you mark your Bible or highlight it, the words, which are sent unto thee. How often would, and I want you to circle or highlight, I gather thy, I gather thy children together. How often would I have gathered thy children together? Even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. Oh, my brother and sister, you circle those next few words. And ye would not. And look at the next verse, behold, the results of that. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Those words today are just as true as the day he spoke them. And I'm not talking about Jerusalem, I'm talking about you or me. Oh, that we would understand how hard God is trying to save us. Oh, that we would understand how, how serious God is trying to save you. 
from dying with this wicked and perverse generation and suffering the consequences that they will suffer for rejecting Jesus Christ and paying for their deeds they did have done in their body. Our text verse, I believe let's just look into the very heart of God here. For a brief moment, God pulls back the old shades and allows us to see his deep longing desire for us. I realize this is written back almost 19 plus hundred years ago, but it's really for today, you and me. This, his heart about you feels the same as he feels about that. I hope you understand that God wants to save you. And I don't mean just save you for heaven. I'm talking about save you from the wickedness of this world. Because the consequences of that wickedness are eternal. Not just here. You know the consequences of living, uh, doing wickedly even in this world, right? You, you know, you see Hollywood and killing themselves and drinking themselves into the ground and drugging themselves and hanging themselves. You see rockers, rock stars with everything, but God are doing the same thing. Man, look around. Why would anybody want that? There's one atheist I saw. He was a notable atheist. What is a notable atheist? That's an atheist who's notable. This guy was relatively a famous atheist. I mean, he had written books, so why there's no God and this other stuff. And he was relatively famous, and they did a show on it, and they were um, interviewing him, and, and the guy interviewing him was a Jew, believe it or not. And, and this atheist had all these reasons why there was no God or could be no God. And then the Jew, which I'm not sure was a, he believed in God. I'm not sure he would have believed in Jesus, but he believed in God. He said, uh, if there was a, let's just pretend, if there was a God, if there is a God, and you die and face him, what will you say to him? And he said, I will ask him why he hid so well. John chapter 3, verse 17 to 21, Jesus said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. That's Jesus Christ. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved, because you're not going to get saved if you don't confess that you're an evildoer. The door to heaven is Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door of the sheep. You're not getting through the door unless you say, I'm a sinner. 
unable to save myself. If you don't swallow your false pride and say, I'm a sinner, unable to save myself, God cannot allow you in. Now you realize, maybe you don't realize, okay, but John chapter 3, verse 17 through 21 that I'm reading are Jesus' words. These are Jesus' words. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. People don't come to God because he doesn't manifest himself to them. People don't come to God because their deeds are evil. And they know if they come to God, they got to cough it up. They got to face it. They got to admit it. They got to humble themselves. I worked with a young man who was a country boy. He was a, he was a, uh, uh, like country boy. He was a cowboy boots and East Fort Myers, North Fort Myers kind of a young man. And, and if you know anything about our area, that's your kind of your country folks and, and uh, country music and, you know, and, and uh, uh, cars with uh, truck, pickup trucks with four different kinds of tires, uh, painted with a little, uh, you have to paint it with, uh, Primer, can't be not printed with real paint. Got to have beer cans in the back, stuff like that. That makes a country boy in, in the world. And uh, there's other things that do that. But uh, I said to the boy, he, I had, I, he worked with me for about a year. And now you work with me every day. We're going to talk about Jesus. But I'm not going to worry you out on it, but I'm going to show you Jesus. I showed him Jesus as like best I knew to do. At the end, he said, man, I really need to get saved. I said, you do. He said, but you know, if I get saved, i got to quit going to the honky-tonk. And I said, you do. Because he said, I said, but how do you know that? You know, I've never told you that. I never told him he had to quit smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing. Chewing also, by the way. That's to be a hillbilly, you got to chew. To be a country boy, you got to chew. And, and uh, though I wouldn't let him chew on the job. Um, but I mean... He said, well, man, it just is common sense. If you get saved, you can't do what you used to do. Wow! I thought this young man, without me saying a word, without him reading the Bible, knows if you get saved, you got to turn from sin. You don't have to go into real deep theology to figure that out, amen? You, out, you people out there that think you're going to have Jesus in the world, you're mistaken. All you're going to have is the world. Psalm 19, you may or may not want to know these verses, but Psalm 19, 1 through 3, the heavens declare the glory of God in the firmament, showeth forth his handiwork. And Brother Zook said, that's right. Day unto day, other speech, night unto night, showeth forth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God says, I'm trying to get your attention. You heard me say this. God is screaming every night and every day, I am here. Psalm 8, 3 through 4 says, When I consider the, thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? How can you go? How can you go to Bryce Canyon or the Grand Canyon or Zion National Park or Canyonlands or a national park or Glen Canyon or Rocky Mountain National Park or many Glacier, Glacier National Park, which you have to see before you die, 
or go to Colorado National Monument or Monument Valley or go to Yosemite or to Socorro National Park. Sequoia National Park. Some of you didn't get that. That hurts my feelings. And stand by the old Sherman, the biggest, the biggest redwood in the world, I believe. Or, or go through or drive through that little road that goes through the coastal redwoods of California. Those giants, those ancient giants that were planted just after the flood. Or go along Highway 1 up through Oregon and Washington and part of Northern California along the rocky coast of the west. Uh, and, or or, or how, how can you go up to Prince Edward Island and, and, and uh, New Brunswick and, and uh, uh, Nova Scotia and go along the coast there? Or go to Fundy Bay and, where they have a 40 or 50 foot tide and eat the mussels that they collect along there and Eat the lobsters of Maine. And not tell me there's a God. Or watch the flight of a hummingbird in slow motion. Or hear it, the song of a canary. Or the song of a mockingbird. Out your God puts that bird right outside my house. I don't even have to feed him. I don't have to take care of him. He don't need me. Or how about the beauty of a pheasant or a peacock in their glory? Or, 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 or witness the migration of the salmon or the hibernation of a bear? or bears, or the heavens on a dark night 40 miles out to sea, or the migration of the lobster, or the mastery, mastery of the mosquito. We have made, we have declared all out war on the mosquito here in southwest Florida, and they're winning. Or, 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 the, or the indomitable spirit of the fire ant. We have declared all out war on the fire ant with all our array of chemicals and all our array of, of tools, and they're winning. You can't fall down jogging. Don't if you're a jogger, don't pass out. Amen, Doc? Don't pass out alongside the road. There will be a mound of dirt over you. That's all they'll find is a mound of dirt and bones. I, I was on Okeechobee fishing years ago, and, a, and about a 13, 14-foot gator got hit by a boat, got hit right in the head by the little thing that hangs down off the motor, not the propeller, but it, it killed him. Well, about three days later, he floated up, bloated, and floated. And my son and I were fishing. I said, Troy, what an opportunity. Let's stop and cut his head off. So all we had was a little pocket knife. Now, he was bloated three days. And we got in that old nasty, and we cut. And I'm telling you, it's hard to cut the head off of a gator. His head like this. 
We cut that thing off, and nobody would be around us for three days. I mean, that's st that stench went into my skin. I put my hands in bleach. I soaked in bleach. My wife was like, no, you know. We brought that thing home and put it in a fire ant mound. They are the most proficient, efficient taxidermists you've ever seen in your whole life. They had that thing down to shiny white bone. I got that, threw that in some bleach just to kill the rest of the smell. And I still to this day have this beautiful alligator skull with all the teeth in it that they minutely got in there and ate little every little piece of flesh. You tell me there's not a God. I don't have to maintain those fire ants. I don't have to feed those fire ants. I don't have to do nothing. They'll move in the house. You tell me God's not seeking to get your attention. And God's seeking to get your attention this morning. When you look up in the night sky, when you see a sunset, when you see a beautiful sunrise, when you see a fabulous thunderhead go 50,000 feet in the air with a lightning storm that we had the other night. We had, a, we had a heat lightning storm the other night. I just, my wife and I went out on the porch, man, and we just sat out there and it was just a show that Disneyland can't produce. And I don't have season tickets to, I got season tickets to God's Disneyland. We sat out there and it was like, it was a sizzling. That lightning was so wild and crazy. Going through the sky like this, going like this, hitting the ground all over. It had sound effects. It had sight effects. It had, you could feel the wind blow. I mean, it was sight, sound, everything. It gets real hot down here in southwest Florida. How many say amen? Sissies. You've never been to Phoenix, have you? Now there it gets hot, brother. Phoenix is intolerable. But anyway, what's God do? Just to save us souls down here in the south, he creates hurricanes. You know what a hurricane is? It's a massive air conditioner. That's exactly what a hurricane is. It sucks that 30-degree air from the high and brings it down to us, takes that hot air up, creates a little swirly thing a little in the meantime. But, brother, it, after a hurricane, it cools this place down. I told my wife, it's a miracle. That would cost a phenomenal amount of money to do that. That's like opening your doors and say, we're going to air condition the outside. I don't think so, but God will do it. There's a God, folks. He's crying out for you. He, he said, God said in this passage, uh, I want to gather you. I want to gather you. This morning, God wants you. He sent his only begotten son and watched him beaten. And abused because of you. Because of you. Because he knew that until unless he paid for your sin, there's no way you'd have entrance into heaven. Because nobody goes to heaven with sin. Why? Sin is the most destructive force in the universe. It's the most corrosive force in the universe. It's like pouring pure bleach on bare metal. It is going to rust it to nothing. It's corrosive. Sin is sin is sin will take every beautiful thing and mangle it. Destroy it. Satan is literally the destroyer. 
He's called the destroyer. One of his 14 different names is a destroyer. All he does, hey, it's easy to tear down. It's not so easy to build. God's a builder. And Jesus Christ, he paid for your sin to its fullest. He got to the end of that thing and he said, it's finished. To tell a testi, it's a legal term that means paid in full. Your sin debt has been paid in full. Now he said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God through the sunsets, God through the birds, God through the environment, God through the heavens, God through the creation, that's saying, I'm here, I've made it, it cannot happen by accident. This thing could no more happen by accident than, than a 747 and all the intricate parts to a 747 will somehow have, have tooled themselves and made themselves and more than even miracle than that, assembled themselves. There'd never be a 747. You can take all the material on 747 in its raw form, set it out on, on a Terramac, and it'll stay there for millions and millions and millions and zil, zillions of years. And it will not form into a 747. It takes a creator to do that. And a creator, look, if you look around you and you study cellular or nuclear or you study any different level of science, you're going to say there has to be a God. Get into DNA. Start looking at the intricacies and the depth of DNA and how can we reproduce. And I know Chris just got to behold the miracle of he and his wife getting married and loving each other, and a little child coming out of that thing. I mean, Chris is still into the stun mode. That he actually has an eternal, never-dying soul that's dependent upon him. It's not like a car, man. You can't take it back and say, I don't want it. You don't do lemon law on children. God used the nobleman's son's sickness to draw him to himself in John chapter 4, verse 46, 47. God drew the Philippian jailer to himself through fear that the prisoners had escaped to where he fell on his knees and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer was, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And the answer is the same today. God used the curiosity of Nicodemus to bring him to Jesus in John chapter 3 by night and wondered who Jesus was. And he told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It took the hunger of 4,000 men and 5,000 men plus women and children to bring them to Jesus, but he used their hunger to bring them and sat them down and broke a few loaves and a few fishes and fed all of them to show them there was a God. In Matthew chapter 14, 20 and 21. I believe this morning God will not force himself on you. He wants to gather you. He does not want to drive you. If you're waiting for God to drive you, he won't drive. You'll die and go to hell. But if you'll listen to his voice, that still small voice that says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. How many in here would testify that God has given you rest since you've been saved? Say amen. God's you. The Bible says, you know, I sent. Oftentimes in the Bible it says, I, I, I sent my servants unto you 
rising up early and sending. I'm here this morning. I, I should be down catching lobsters in the Keys in some Bermuda shorts and a T-shirt. But God says, no. God says, I want you to continue to, I, I've sent you to tell them and to warn them and to encourage them and to strengthen them to do my church. That's your job. That's what I'm going to do. But he says he's servants to do just what I'm doing this morning. Why are you fighting it? Why are you resisting it? Why are you rebelling against it? I can guarantee you, you'll lose. If you resist the call of God in your life, there'll be a day you're going to hear my voice again. You're going to think back when you sat in services at Gospel Baptist and how I cried and jumped up and down, red-faced Baptist preacher begged you to do right by God. And you're going to say, oh, it's in Proverbs, by the way. Oh, that I had obeyed my teachers. Oh, oh, that I had listened to those who came to me and asked me to do right. Oh, but it will be too late. You've probably never heard the wailing until you've heard wailing when it's just too late. Why are you ignoring the call of God this morning on your life? Why are you ignoring all of creation screaming, screaming that there's a God who loves you and made you? Jesus is calling you just like he did Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou the stones to prophets that kill them that are sent unto you. How, how would I have gathered you? As a hen gathers the chickens under her wings. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen How many here have seen a, little, a chicken gather her little chicks under her wings? Raise your hand. Because then, that, okay, the illustration is not as thorough as if, if we were all agricultural and we were out in Kansas in a farm area I would get a 95% hold of hands. You've seen a little chicken gather her chicks. It's sad that some of you think chickens do not have feathers. Because every time you went to Publix, that's the way they always looked. But a, a mother hen will have these little chicks, and I've had them at my house, and, and I'll come up to the place where they're at, and she'll just, the little chicks, they're about this big around. They'll be out playing around the little fuzzballs, you know. And, and, and she'll make some little cackle sound. And her feathers kind of like open up. They like all open up. And her wings go out like that. How am I doing? What I do for Jesus, I'm telling you. But I mean, no. I mean, but you know, they, they open up and, 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 and boom, them, chick, them chicks dive into her and disappear. And she, she'll kind of go back down like this. Then once in a while you see the little head pop out. That's the one that gets killed. That's Chris right there. Don't be too curious. Keep your head down. But, you know, that little chick will come out there and look around, see if everything's okay. And if she thinks it's okay, she'll open up and they'll go out and you know, the tenderness of that is what Jesus, after doing that vilifying sermon against sin, and, his, and he, you know, 
God's tough against sin because sin is going to be real tough against you. But he's tender. As a mother hen is to her little chick, so he wants to gather you this morning. Now, some of you have been out there, you're saved, but you ain't been serving God. You're out there on the edges of this thing. Brother, if there ever was a time to jump in the local church and get busy for God, it's now. When will it be better? When the church gets better, we're not going to get better. When people get better, people ain't going to get that much better. When things go better, no, now's the time. The souls are lost in sin and need to be here the gospel at least one time. And you and I as born-again believers are given the assignment to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now's the time. Today's the day. Let's go. And then last few words, and I quit with this, you would not. You would not. You would not. The next verse says, Behold, your house left unto you desolate. Trust me on this. If you turn away from God and the testimonies that He's put out there, someday you will be desolate. Father, help us. That somehow the Spirit of God could transmit this better than I ever could. May there be people that they say yes to Jesus. Not just salvation, but service. My, oh my, we're, we're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. We, got to, we, got, we, we could be given opportunity here. Uh, had Hillary been elected, uh, our bus ministry would probably be getting shut down pretty soon. Our ability to speak the whole truth, nothing but the truth, would be getting shut down pretty soon. as has hate speech. And, and uh, your old preacher would probably be sitting in some jail somewhere singing the songs of Zion. Uh, uh, but God, you gave us a little respite. You, you elected somebody in that's favorable to the Bible, that's favorable to the things of God, and favorable to Christianity, favorable to free speech. And Father, you've given us a little nail hole. Help us not to waste the time. God, help us not to waste the time. Father, give us wisdom. There be anybody here without Christ this morning, may come, may they come. Doc Crabb will be down in the front. If a lady comes, a dear lady like Mrs. Rose will come. Go in the back, pray with you. We'd love to pray with you this morning, whatever the need be. Maybe an invitation time at the gospel. You just want to come here and just take a few moments at the front and talk to God. You're welcome to do that. I'm here too. You come do business with God. Father, help us now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.